Hang in there, it is. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Hello, friends. I am Charlie Hume, and we are convening an emergency session of The Smiley Show to react to the news that absolutely rocked the golf world today. And before we get to the reaction of PGA Tour member Smiley Kaufman on that topic, I'm going to read the first three paragraphs of a memo that Commissioner Jay Monahan sent to the PGA Tour membership to announce this change. Today is a momentous day for your organization and the game of golf as a whole. The PGA Tour, your tour, is leading the formation of a new commercial entity to unify golf, one that sees the end of the disruption and distraction that has divided the men's professional game for the better part of three years. Through a framework agreement, the Public Investment Fund is contributing its golf-related commercial business and rights, including Live Golf, along with a significant financial investment toward minority equity ownership of a new, collectively held, for-profit LLC. This entity will also include the PGA Tour's commercial businesses and rights, as well as those of the DP World Tour. So, Smiley, we all we were all in different places when this news really unexpectedly came up this morning. You know, where were you? What was your initial reaction? And just big picture, what are your thoughts as, as you had time to process this? Well, Charlie, I just got back from the range. Uh, I, you know, if the rumors are true in that there is going to be a spring break team that forms. I need to be sharp. I need to be <laughs> mentally ready to go. You know, this is, it's been a long time coming. It's about time we get the spring break crew team organized and playing professional golf again. I mean, dude, this is, I, I when I saw the headline and it was a CNBC just live merges with the PGA tour. I, I thought it was a joke. I said, LOL, that's, that's funny Photoshopping because there's just, there's just no way, you know, and, the fact that the players didn't know about it is very, very concerning. Uh, it was a business decision that was made, and I think it had everything to do with the litigation and the potential for discovery and the 501c, the tax status. I think all of that is a thousand percent why they said, you know what, we're just going to make a business decision and say, this is going to be better. For the game of golf and unfortunately some guys hit the lottery and some guys did it and that's as simple as that we had players that stood for the pga tour and it's a shame that they weren't able to reap the benefits as the other 40 plus guys did and they turned down a lot of money and i guarantee you there's a lot of players now that are walking in circles in their backyard talking to their agents saying how the heck did this happen and now we have the agents calling the PGA Tour saying, how did this happen? And I, I, the first thing I did was I went back and listened to the first press conference that Jay Monahan had. And it was with Jim Nance in the booth at this past year's RBC Canadian Open. It was legitimately a year ago. And I listened to it and I just could not believe that a year from then that the same organization did a deal with that tour and it just blows me away at the time I remember as a player being very frustrated listening to that to that press conference I thought you know what I wanted to hear as a PJ tour player was that 
hey, we understand that we have to continue to get better and make this the best place to play for as a professional golfer. And we acknowledged that the players going, it was a, it was a financial move and, but we need to continue to work on making the PJ tour a better place. And that's all the tour players wanted to hear instead of calling it the Saudi league, calling like bringing in nine 11. It's so hard to say it's a good day for golf because, you know, it's been so highly debated, but the fact that all of these guys are going to be playing potentially on the same tour and that it could be a global tour. I think that in itself could grow the game. All of this talk about growing the game. Maybe we will grow the game from this, but right now I guarantee you there are a lot of people with a lot of questions on how this got done. And it's just crazy. The state of my mind, and I'm sure your mind as well, is I'm thoroughly boggled right now. There is just there is so much to unpack, and, and you kind of took us there down a couple of different potential paths we could go down, each which could be worth an entire podcast on their own merits. But I think starting with the player-led aspect of this, and you know, you absolutely nailed it in terms of the rhetoric we heard at the RBC Canadian Open from Jay Monahan last year. Um, you know, whether taking you know the the stance of moral high ground or the kind of the platitudes that were offered whether that was right or wrong that was a a a choice that was made and and a decision that was pursued to kind of go down that 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 path and and so now we're sitting in a very interesting place looking at that and saying you know what kind of change there i i wonder the first person i thought of and i think most people thought of was rory mcelroy who for the better part of a year uh, invested a ton of his time and energy and, and really even put his own personal brand on the line to, to, to help the tour fend off this threat and, and you know was critiqued by a lot of people for the rhetoric he sort of took and, and explaining why he didn't believe in live and, and, and why you know he had sort of questions about the competition, the backing, all that sort of stuff. And he did that at the expense of his golf game. And, and we saw the way in which his golf game suffered and his chance to contend in certain majors and, and big events really, you know, took took a dip in form because of the time spent away from the golf course on this specific topic. Um, do, do you think at all, I mean, should Rory feel betrayed here? And, and I wonder even, you know, taking note of his demeanor at the Oak Hill, you know, the presser at the PGA Championship at Oak Hill, where he seemed very reserved and subdued, and I'm no longer answering this. I wonder if he kind of had the inside track on this and knew what was coming down the pipeline and was saying, I can't believe I just spent a year on this. No, I don't think any of the players knew. I think this is all a surprise to all of them. It's a, it's a shock. The fact that none of this came out leaked anywhere. And that's been the crazy part about this last year is that we heard rumors from just about everything and whether they were true or not. So it's wild to me that this wasn't leaked at all. This was probably only a few people knew about this. And heck yeah, Rory should be mad. He spent a year standing up there answering all the questions that Jay Monahan wouldn't. Jay maybe did one or two press conferences the entire year, and he could have made himself available every single week and told the players, hey, I'll answer every single live-related question. You guys just answer anything related to golf and focus on that because it's a lot to deal with, and as your commissioner, I should answer these questions. And he didn't. He had other players do it for him. And, and you're right. Their brands were they were totally subjective to everything they said. And sometimes you don't get it right when it's this tricky of a tricky of a topic. 
you know, Justin was a, another guy who went up and said things that I don't know if he regrets saying now, but it it just doesn't make sense now that that these guys had to like defend the PGA Tour. It's it's crazy, man. I I just I I'm mind blown by it. I'm frustrated as a PGA Tour player, and you know, there was talks way back in the day about the PGA Tour players forming a union. This was back uh, probably in the 80s, and it's happened multiple times where they they try to get a player union together. Would that have been different today, knowing that hey, the PGA Tour just can't make a deal without having a player union? talking to them about like is this okay if i guarantee you if there was a union this would not have happened until way down the road because there would have been the entire tour and players would have had a say in all of this and they would have known the benefits of it now there the, i think the players are going to benefit a ton from this it's really just the top players who didn't take the upfront money because i do think there's going to be a lot of money created in this and I, I don't know exactly how it's going to shape out on this global tour but it's it's very complicated to try to take it all in but it's it's a mess have you taken a temperature check with any of the guys you're close with on tour and obviously not to betray their confidence or you know listen to anything specific but just you know and, and also understanding that they're spending the, the, the few hours of this this day kind of processing that information on their own as well but i'm just curious if you know, you, you said that a lot of people are in shock and still trying to kind of figure this out. Anything else in terms of, you know, their feelings on the way this went down and, and maybe if they wish, it, you know, why it happened the way it did and maybe if they would have liked to see it happen in a different way. The players I know that had the offers are going to be upset and they have every right to be upset. So to me, I think they're going to, I don't know how you're going to repair that damage of, you know, how are these live players going to be able to come back and play? And the crazy thing about the tour now is that they continue to cut down on, on spots for fields, for how many guys are playing. And now we're adding this entire group back to the bunch. What does the, the group of that are, you know, sitting anywhere between that 75 to 150 in the PGA Tour FedEx Cup or 200, whatever it is, adding that group back to the bunch as well as the DP World Tour, how the heck is this all going to fit into one pot? Because right now, 70 guys, there's more. There's just more guys in that technically to make the playoffs that that would be qualified as as far as their their game. And man, it's just I have a lot of questions, and it's it's very confusing. Well, and you kind of touched on one of them there, which is, you know, how should the guys who stayed on tour and who turned down those offers feel about the way this was resolved? And I think it's it's in some ways it's it's almost too early to say it's going to be this way or it's going to be another way. And, you know, as frustrating as it may seem, there is a little bit of we have to give the parties involved the benefit of the doubt and hope they're going to resolve this in, in a way that's fair to those parties as well. So I wonder, I mean, do you see – any form of make good coming for those guys, you know, where there were offers on the table, because one of the big things that was highlighted as part of this announcement was the investment that the public investment fund was going to be making in, in the whole golf ecosystem. And, and listen, I have questions about guys that were made offers who are currently on tour. I think that I have a big question about Tiger Woods, who reportedly turned down a $750 million offer. I heard this 900 thing. million. Even more so, you know, so I wonder, you know, 
how much of whatever the PIF is investing in this gets distributed to players who could have gone as, as a make good. The only way I could see this working in, you know, the PIP, maybe that no live players would be eligible for the PIP until a certain year, you know, maybe 10 years down the road, they're not eligible for any PIP money and only guys that stayed uh, that stayed loyal to the PGA tour would be eligible for the PIP money. That's really the only way I, I could see that working as far as how do you repair those damages of like, dude, we trusted you, you know, like this was, we, we stood our ground. I mean, Ben on had the best tweet talking about <laughs> Hideki Matsuyama saying, cause there was a tweet of a picture of Hideki flying spirit airlines after the Memorial championship, which I, I don't know at what point in your travel schedule or to where you get to a point as Hideki had to book a spirit flight. I think there's more questions I have about that than, than I mean, I, 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 I sat here on this podcast just a couple of weeks ago and told you that I would never, ever fly spirit airlines. So the fact that Hideki Matsuyama, I don't know if that, I, I don't know if that means I should reevaluate my stance on that, or we should ask Hideki what who's booking his travel, but that was, yeah, it's a little tangent there, but yeah, I mean, a guy like Hideki is, you know, he, he was rumored at one point to be going to live because he holds the keys to a huge, huge market. You know, it, it, you know, Japan kind of Asia extended, and, and for him to turn that down, and for the tour to kind of make him assurances, or you know, that's you know was kind of rumored or reported, the tour made him assurances that they were going to kind of make that good to him financially. It's like, how does that how does that work now? I think the way way you got to look at it is every single player that that decided to stay they it was a, a business decision whether it was because of morality or the fact that they felt like hey okay these guys are gone now we're the top players and we're going to be paid because we are the top players because there's less well there's less top players because a good amount of them left and if you look at it from a business sense you know that that's why they made their decisions and but the pga tour made their own business decisions and and the, I'm going to get back to that tweet, though. It's Ben Hot said that that Hideki could have bought Spirit Airlines if he would have <laughs> taken his live contract. So I wanted to follow up on that just to make sure that everybody's of seen course. that tweet. Yeah. It's it's probably the best tweet of the day, I will say. And man, I, I'm just I'm overwhelmed by it. Um, I, I do like the thought of a global tour. I think that's like fascinating to me. I think maybe golf could eventually get into a better place. But I think you're going to rub a ton of people the wrong way. I don't know if you're going to lose viewers from this. I don't, I would imagine you would because there was a lot of people that said, I will never watch anything associated with live golf. And now that they're partnered with live golf, where do you stand on? Do you still watch golf? I don't know. I think that's a tough one because I think that if you're, if you're looking at an announcement where there are, a fair questions being asked and i don't know if you pose them as negatives but just concerns about the situation i think one of the positives you take away is that this does unify golf in a big way and there are, of course in any sort of situation in life you know when when a decision is made that can't be you know universally accepted and loved there are people that kind of get left out there people who are initially upset and there may very well be people who say fine i'm never watching professional golf again because I have a principle that stands against what, you know, live stands for and who funds this. And I am not going to, you know, endorse that thing or spend money on that thing, you know, for whatever reasons. I, but I, I do think that overall, you know, this should get more people watching golf. This should get more people playing golf. Um, and I just wonder how that pie gets cut up because I, I think, you know, another question I have is like, 
so for the live guys, you know, we talked a little bit about the guys on tour for the live guys. I mean, this is, you can only chalk this up as a win, right? They get to keep their money. They, they get to come back and play tour events. I mean, they, they made a gamble. And in the meantime, I mean, I guess even, even there's a tangent even off of that. What happens to the world golf rankings points? Do they like retroactively get points for the events they played in? Or how does that work? Well, you're right. The live guys, they hit the lottery, uh, whether they're going to, when they're going to be able to come back. That's the question. You know, I don't think we have much answers on that. I think some of the PGA tour players right now still think that this is just a, a sponsorship and uh, agreement between the tours and the fact that like, okay, now we're going to be also taking uh, this, this public investment fund in, I think, that's the question mark is, okay, these players, I, I, we assume just based on reading that they're merging, that they're going to also be able to play PGA Tour events. We don't necessarily know that yet, but you kind of just assume it. But, man, was Phil Mickelson right this whole time? Oh, man. Was he right this whole time? I I, I would – I'd hate to go that far. I mean, I, I – How I right think... was he? Out of 100%, how right was Phil Mickelson? The end result – matches up with exactly what Phil told you was going to happen, right? So in that sense, like, it's a little bit of a do the ends justify the means sort of scenario. Because I think that for all that he did in terms of posturing and talking, we still have the same taste in our mouth of Phil Mickelson, given everything that he did in the in the last year plus of, you know, the comments he made to journalists, the things he said on Twitter. And that, for me, is another big question mark I have. Is like, how do you resolve all these various spats now that these guys are back together? Like, do, do we just do, do Rory and Sergio just immediately mend fences and they're back on, you know, they're back to being friends. You know, does, does Phil mend fences with everybody who he's offended? You know, I, I, that's a big question for me. In addition to do new riffs emerge between guys who didn't previously have a rift? Like I, I'm in no way, shape or form saying that Brooks and Rory are going to have a spat, but let's just theoretically use that situation where, we heard a couple weeks ago those guys are on good terms still, even though they were in different leagues. They are playing practice rounds together. Does that cause any sort of issue now that they're back together where Brooks took the money and gets to come back? And Rory's like, well, wait a second. I don't really love that I didn't get the same cut that Brooks did. Now, I, we've, we've talked about when these guys do show up and play in the same place as the majors. It really has been all about golf. And I, I expect it will remain that way for the most part. I don't see any of the live players you know, going on and and bragging about the decision they made to tour players in person. It's just not how really golf has ever operated uh, on the PGA Tour or whatever tour that's been on. You show up, you get your work done, you try to shoot the lowest score. That's will always be what we see. And now what happens on Twitter, what happens in the media room where they're talking to journalists, that might be a little different. And, but I, I do expect there to be you know, the guys to, to get along is normal, but I, I just think that there's going to be guys that wish that, man, I, I could have made, I could have signed that $75 million contract. Not that these guys aren't already wealthy, but how do you, you look at a guy like Will Zalatoris right now, you know, he's, he's hurt. He's a guy that had a huge offer, decided to say loyal to the PGA tour and who knows what's going to happen with his injuries. I hope the best for him, but you just never know, you know, that's the crazy thing about golf. And I think that's why Brooks Kepka kind of made that leap besides the fact that, you know, he was able to help his brother out on, on, on helping him jumpstart his career and playing live golf and, and making a living. So it's, it's, 
it's hard to comprehend it all. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing my best to kind of sort through all the weeds, but I do think it ultimately ends up the PGA tour said we made a decision because we felt like it was going to be the best for the game of golf long-term to have the live golf players playing. We think these guys are going to make more money in this process. And, you know, outside of that, you know, it, there's going to be potentially the trust may have been lost with the higher ups that run the PGA tour and, and the players. And that's going to be something that I don't know how long it's going to take to mend because when you go out and make a decision like this and take the stances that you took, how do you, I mean, how do you stand in front of a room and tell the PGA tour players that like, okay, you know what you got for me? <laughs> it's crazy. It seems like that is going to be a very difficult one. And I think when I think about that, you know, I, the, the, I just think I just try to kind of play out how that the entire scenario unfolded. And, and the place I have to arrive there is it must have been such a compelling reason to make this decision, knowing all the blowback they were going to face from their members, you know, arguably the most important part of their organization, the, the, the players that, that you go out and put the product on. Um, it must have been such a compelling reason, whether it was the weight of legal fees or, what, or kind of what you said earlier, what was going to happen in discovery or the financial windfall they were going to get from it. It must have been status too. I think that's one of the big ones you got to look at because when the books get open on all that, I think that is the first thing I thought of was like, okay, they were concerned that they were going to lose that tax exempt status. We don't know what happened behind the scenes, but I think that there's enough there to say, man, the only reason they would have done this is if they had almost no other choice, but to do it. Now, you kind of touched on the money piece earlier and the one way in which you can maybe make this better is, you know, by the greater distribution of money within whatever this new reformatted tour looks like, right? Like, you know, live purses were already massive, larger than designated event and major purses as it stood. So, you know, if the investment that the PIF makes in these purses going forward is so great that the guys who stayed on tour are now making more money maybe that helps a little bit, but still it's, you're still talking to the play better crowd, you know, and, and whereas you just watch a bunch of guys go over there and get free money. And now you're, now you're, you're, you may, maybe you're making more money, but you're playing against the guys who already got the free check and they get to get a cut out of this pie too. Like that one feels a little bit tough to reconcile. No, for sure. And I think what you're going to be at, what, what we're going to be looking for now, what happens in the player meeting in Canada? Okay. Who's in the field? You know, there's probably, five to eight players that may have had live contracts offered to them. So it's going to be that crowd will be much more of where do we fit in in this? And it'll be mainly just the, the whole of the PJ tour guys who didn't have offers, but say, where, where do we fit in in this? And that's going to be the questions there. Fast forward two weeks after that, after the U S open, when we go to the travelers championship, a designated event, which will have a, much more players that were offered live contracts. That is where it will be interesting because it wouldn't shock me at all to see many of the players say, or if there's a meeting in, would it surprise you at all? If you saw players back out and not play it and, and stand up and say, this is dumb. You know, like we're, we're, we're going to back out and we're going to riot per se. Like, would that surprise you to see players back out of the travelers championship? I will say, uh, after this morning's an announcement, nothing would surprise me at this point. You know, I, I never thought that, that this would happen the way that it did. Like, I, I mean, I, I think 
if you were heading into you know this year next year like the, the in the the most extreme scenario you know you would probably say i could see live getting world ranking points by the end of this season and even that would have been like i don't know man there's a lot it's it that's going to be tough the for this to come through the way it did i don't think anybody had this on their bingo card and so could i see players you know on the tour kind of rebelling or you know or, or, or you know boycotting certain events i could see that i, I could see a lot of different outcomes but I, it's just <laughs> I, i'll tell you what uh i'm looking at the uh, pga tour media portal right now and uh rory mcelroy after his 7 a.m pro-am tomorrow is scheduled to speak with the uh media i wonder how that one's gonna go <laughs> wow um you know, I'm working this week for the Canadian Open, and instead of just broadcasting like we normally do, I think we should just open the phone lines and just have <laughs> just. There's no such thing as a bad take. Y'all call in, first time caller, long time listener. You know the bit. We'll, we'll take your calls and we'll field them all. <laughs> we'll, I, Rory, I love that. We got Rory McIlroy hitting a seven iron here, but what what do you have to? Th- what do you say about all this? <laughs> just listening just, to Joe Joe from Chicago. They should just just pick a pick a hole where you got a nice long runway and you can just walk and talk with every player in the field. What do you think about this? And yeah. they just it's, rack it back to. The, I mean, I, I I think it's and, and it, it's. I, I texted a tour player earlier to, to see if you'd come on a, a show that I produced for. Uh, Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, and he's like, "Look, I'd love to come on, but I, I don't. I'm just still trying to make sense of this. And we have this players meeting at four, and and you know, so maybe after that. But I think you know, kind of to your point that you made earlier. I mean, part of this is is the blindsiding of these players, and so even if even if they have to accept this outcome, which you know they kind of have to accept this outcome because I don't really know where else you go as a professional, you know, uh, player other than this new ecosystem that now is, controls everything." You know, I, I could see kind of to your point about a, a player's union or something, you know, I could see players trying to do something to ward off things like this in the future happening without their input or say, you know, because I, I think in some senses you have to look at, at, at this last year and say, what was it all for? You know, all the time spent, not only from Rory, but, you know, all the guys on these player advisory councils, you know, trying to hash out th- th- this new system, this tiered system. Like, that's another question I have is like, does that whole thing blow up? Because, because you know, I think you look at. We know that in in 2023, we know that the schedule remains the same for both the PGA Tour and for Live, right? So there are going to be effectively competing events on a lot of weekends where Live has an event and the PGA Tour has an event. But we don't know what 2024 looks like. We thought we did once the, the schedule was kind of getting hammered out with the new, you know, this the the system where there were going to be a couple events that were going to be lower profile that were going to you know function as play-in events for you know for the guys that wanted to get in the designated events but you know live still has events on their calendar so do we do we do away with certain tour events or do those do those designated event qualifier events become effectively opposite field events while live tour events being played like do pga tour do current pga tour players get to now forum live teams like i think everything is on the table right now uh, you're right. And I don't think we're going to know anything uh, for quite a while on this. And I think luckily we have a U.S. Open in two weeks. The fact that we might be able to just kind of put it away and just focus on golf for one week. And then after that, it's going to be hell on wheels trying to figure all of this out because it's a changing ecosystem. And, you know, there, there's been a trickle down effect of how the PGA Tour has operated in this as well. You know, we talk about how difficult it's going to be for rookies and and guys that have kind of been in that more 70 to 150 range fighting for cards and they change to get top 70 only make the playoffs now but that trickle down 
all the way towards the corn Ferry tour as well. You know, they're not playing for a whole lot of money as well. They've taken 30 tour cards away from them. They eliminated a Q school during this entire process during COVID. And, you know, it, it go, it, it just, it's, it's very tough to swallow all of it because, you know, the PJ tour university was a program, I think enacted because of live golf tour. And so you're giving guys cards from the college game, which being a guy in the media now, I don't mind as much, but when I was a player, I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. You got to go earn it just like everybody else. So there's two sides of every coin in this. And I'm just curious how this, how the tour plans to operate as an appropriate feeder tour now, because if you're a guy on the corn Ferry tour now, and you, you, let's say you're in a good position to get your card, you're thinking, how the heck am I supposed to keep my card next year? And that's in my head is, is what I'm thinking is what is the outside the top players, elite status players? What are, what are, what is in their mind right now? Thinking how, how am I going to keep my card every single year and continue to provide for my family? I think it's a, it's a very fair question to ask and concern. And I think if you were trying to be optimistic and reacting to all this news, the hope is that, when Jay Monahan and Yasir Al Rumayan sit up there on NBC today, and, dude, can and, you believe that they're just sitting up there on it? Like, in what world did you think that you were going to wake up today and see those <laughs> two guys sitting next to each other in harmony? What in the world? It was like a fever dream. I mean, really and truly, it's just it was one thing after another of just things you never thought you'd see in your entire lifetime that were just ha materializing right in front of your eyes. And so, I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt in the situation like i acknowledge that there are a lot of issues with this but i would like to say i'd like to give them a shot to to make a good faith effort to make this thing work and so if if, if he's sitting up there saying we're going to invest more money in the golf ecosystem because we're seeing you know the level of participation arise all across the world not just in the united states we're trying to make golf a more global game and we want to back you know we want to back this this new entity you know, with more money to do that. Like my hope is what that means is, okay, even if those guys on the Corn Ferry Tour are having more trouble playing their way into the reformatted version of the PGA Tour, whatever that looks like, maybe the feeder tour will be much better funded as a result of this. That would be a nice outcome. There very well could be more money in this feeder tour being, being the Corn Ferry Tour or the Canadian Tour, Latin American Tour, which were jointly combined to where those players now can go play in Canada and Latin America and on the same tour. But man, it's, it's very tough to figure out. I, I definitely know I would be excited a little. I think I would be excited if I was a, uh, a PGA tour player. Cause I, I would think, wow, I think there might be some more money in this, but at the same time, I'm so mad because I was lied to, you know, there, there you could look at it both ways. You're like, okay, I'm going to probably make more money. But I also can be mad at the PGA Tour and the head leadership for the messaging that was sent to us on on just loyalty and, and threatening, really, about leaving. Because that was a huge conversation it's, at a lot of these meetings. Jay said, if you even think about going to the Live Golf Tour, you might as well just walk out this door right now. How can then you then, a year later say we're going to do business with them and you, you threatened your membership about going there 
And the guys that did leave, you know, they made the right decision, but man, did they get killed for it? You know, that that's now, do you look at those guys and, and do you have different opinions on them? I, the opinion never changed for me. I never, I never at one time said that these guys on the live golf tour were making the wrong decision. I, I, I was concerned that with their world ranking, would they continue to qualify for the majors? And I questioned what their legacy would look like, but I never questioned these guys for taking the money because they were doing what's best for them. I know how hard the golf on playing professional golf is and all the question marks that come with playing professional golf with injuries and, and how long you can play and providing for your family. I understand all of it. And the questions were always about what these guys legacy looked like versus the guys that stayed on the PGA tour. Yeah. I mean, you kind of nailed it there. Like the optics are not great. It, it's, it's really tough. And, and that's where, again, I come back to the same place where it's like it, for Jay Monahan to be sitting in that position and, and to, you know, be smart enough to know what this was going to mean in terms of player blowback. If, if he went out and announced this thing, because there's going to be a lot of it and there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to want to sit down with him and get some time and, and get a full explanation of this, that it must have been such a compelling, you know, whether it was the threat of something or the chance to gain something, whatever it was, it must have been so compelling that he had no other choice but to do it. And so, Absolutely. You know, so I, I think that that's and I think, you know, as, as a spinoff of that, like. The morality of all these things, you know, some of the rhetoric around that, that always kind of bothered me because I just think it's, it's you know, it's such a complicated picture. Like if, if you wanted to, if anyone wanted to, they could go through a list of sponsors for all these tours and say, well, that's why that one's problematic and that's why that one's problematic. And so it's like that for me was it, – it's just it's the hard place from which to make an argument. You know, I think that the more compelling argument was if we're all truly in this – to grow the game of golf and we're trying to kind of bring together this ecosystem why are we splitting and dividing and at each other's throats and and so i i think that as hard of a pill as this may be to swallow for the participants on these various tours you know if it gets to a place where you know we, we, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the pga tour and 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 you know live but the the one that was a big part of this announcement as well as a dp world tour which in some ways has been on life support for a while i mean they, they announced this special you know partnership with the pga tour and nothing really of substance other than some co-sanctioned events really came to fruition so like if this is a way to kind of revive that tour that would represent a large win yeah i i really do think the dp world tour i think they they made the right decisions i think they were questioned by a lot of their membership about going and joining up with the pga tour and, and how it benefited them a lot of folks thought, you know, from a financial standpoint, that it would have been better off for them to work with the Live Golf Tour and kind of merge with them. This is a while back. You're thinking, okay, if they merge there, you're thinking, all right, the Live Golf Tour is going to financially save and back the DP World Tour. But then the PGA Tour says, you know what? We see that threat and we don't like that. We're going to merge with you guys and then we're going to help you guys out along the way. But has it been a a handshake, perfect share between the two? It's probably benefited the tour a little bit more in the fact that they have the Scottish Open. And I think there's plans to kind of get a little bit more into their big events to have the PGA Tour players be able to participate in an Irish Open, an Italian Open, that sort of thing. So it's 
it's all very interesting in that aspect and figuring out, okay, who's who won in all of this. I think the game of golf will eventually win in all of this, that the players, it will be a little bit more global, which anything for to get away from TPC Craig Ranch, I think is good. <laughs> Not, I don't know. We need to keep hating on TPC Craig Ranch, but you know what I mean? I, I really I, I think that should be, that should be a future video series. We should have to go out and play, give it another honest shot, Smiley. Go out there and shoot some video and just let I, we, we should we force stop, you to say nice things about Craig TPC Ranch. Craig Ranch. Like, I gotta stop. Play the chorus and say one nice thing about every hole. <laughs> it has to stop. But I, I will say this. So, one, the Live Golf Tour event in Australia, the one at Adel- Adelaide, Adel- I don't know how to pronounce it. Adelaide, I think. Adel- we're, we're not Australians, so we get a pass here. Australians would, would be the word, not Australians. <laughs> did, did, I, did I also butcher that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think that, not... really, that really drives the point home. <laughs> but what did we see? We saw a yeah. golf-hungry, golf-starving fanship in that area that will support any golf event that comes there. And to me, that was a wake-up call. Of like, man, the PJ Tour has to find a way to make this more global because you're missing – just that opportunity to have your FedEx moment with Tiger and Rory coming down and in Atlanta at East Lake, you could have similar moments like we saw in Australia and we could have that same deal in Japan and we could have it the same deal in Ireland. And I, I do think this can become a global game that benefits the golf viewer. Um, how it how we eventually get there i don't know but i really think it's going to be something special but it's okay to be so mad right now that you can't see straight if you're a pga tour member but to look past it right now i think you see maybe what they were looking at and the business and decisions that were made behind the scenes thinking this was our only option we leave this podcast and we probably will feel this way for the next couple of weeks, maybe even months with more questions than answers right now. Right. And, and I don't even think the people who struck this deal really know what the, what the end game, you know, looks for this in the long term because it's still all being hashed out. Um, I would say one of the big ones I still have is, is where does tiger fit into all this? You know, he and Rory are launching this Monday, you know, this golf league next year and, and, you know, is, is that now PIF funded and, and are live players participating in that? I don't know. I, I, you know, we could do another two hours on this. Um, I, I think a good place to close it perhaps would be what you just sort of led us into there, which is, I know it's way too early and, and we, we, you know, it, it's tough to say what the schedule is going to look like, but kind of in your mind, sketch out what the best case version of this looks like in the future. You know, is it a very global tour where we're just cutting down the United States based events to be the majors, maybe the, the, the flagship, you know, player hosted events like, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, the Genesis, you know, obviously Tiger Woods hosted, um, you know, the API uh, Memorial that we just left with Jack Nicholas. Is it like that? And maybe a handful of others. And then you're adding in, some global live events into the schedule and, and, and elevating some DP world tour events. You know, if you, if they came to you smiley and said, create a new schedule, incorporating all these leagues in 2024, you know, where would you start with that? Man, that is such a great question. And, you know, I don't know because I don't think anybody knows. And I don't understand how the team concepts going to work in relation to the FedEx cup 
I don't see how it's all going to tie in besides the live golf events and PGA tour events still operating separately and whether the PGA tour players can go play in live golf events. Now, I think that's a question you got to ask. Can they go join up with the cliques and, and get the cliques out of the bottom and let's start moving them up the board. I mean, that that's a question. I mean, can they go and play on the live golf tour and double dip now the players on the PGA tour, let's say they play 10 to 12 designated events on top of the four majors. So we're looking at somewhere between 14 to 16 PGA tour events. Are they going to go play six to eight more times on the live golf tour in a team format? Or is there going to be more investment to that from a team standpoint where the PGA tour players have to play more like eight to 10 events over there. Now we're talking about a huge schedule that players already talk about. It's, it's difficult to play, you know, past 22 events. That's typically you kind of see guys operate in that 18 to 22 range. So man, I don't know. Um, I, I do think I would love to see it get more global. Uh, I would love that as a, as a viewer, I think it would be great for the game and, like you said, I think we're going to be debating this for, for quite some time now. Well, again, more questions remain than answers. The one thing I do know is very much looking forward to seeing the Spring Breakers team of Justin Thomas, Jordan <laughs> Spieth, Ricky Fowler, and Smiley Coffin making a debut at their home venue of Baker's Bay. Of course, clad in all orange of their team captain, Ricky Fowler. So excited to get a jump on that. And, uh, Obviously, Smiley, so great to have your perspective as a PGA Tour member on a momentous day in, in the, the history of this tour. So we will, we will keep unpacking this in future weeks, and uh, we'll be doing it all right here. I'm going to go get a beer. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.